0: The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. There is an outpouring. You know, there's a comfort that comes from God's presence. There's a word for you as an individual. And you have to be focused and intentional to ensure that you receive and embrace everything that God has for you. And I know that God has something for every single person in the house this morning. If you believe that, come and say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Now, last week, Sunday, we had asked that people should come in casually dressed today because today is meant to be our fragrant Sunday the day when we go out for evangelism but we won't be going out anymore this morning but we have something something else um planned for us so just note that hallelujah are we ready to receive God's word praise God we've been dealing up on um the subject of more than enough and I'm just going to continue from where I stopped last Sunday God is more than enough. Amen. When he introduced himself to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he told him, I am El Shaddai, the God that is more than sufficient. And we also established the fact that that is who he is. That is who God is. God is a God who is more than enough. And it's not only that. What he does, he does more than enough. He does excess. He does exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine or desire. He is always out to beat our expectations. Amen. We also establish the fact that we have of the covenant that we, we are in a covenant with God. That and God is not just a God that we serve because of who he is but he has entered a covenant with us and he has covenanted himself to ensure that we can walk in and we can experience that more than enough status every single day of our lives. Hallelujah. Amen. And so it's important that as sons and daughters of God, we must begin to focus our minds and attune our minds to the fact that I ought to be walking and experiencing more than enough. It ought to be my daily, my daily realm. It ought to be the way I live. I live in abundance. I live in more than enough because that's the realm of my father God. That's the realm of the one who has covenanted himself with with me. That's the covenant that God has made with us. Hallelujah. Now, one thing that we established also last Sunday was to actually walk in and experience, you know, this abundant life status. This more than enough status. Looking at the people and the scriptures that, 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 you know, had experienced such in their lives. It's something that we're going to have to do by faith. It's something that we're going to have to do by faith. Hallelujah. Romans 4.13. Romans 4.13 says, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Amen. And so the Bible, you know, teaches us, tells us that Abraham was able to ultimately partake of everything that God had promised to him by faith. Abraham had to exercise his faith. And the Bible says that we ought to follow and walk in the steps of Abraham, our father. And so today we're going to be looking at, you know, some things around faith. I'm going to be talking about the place of, of love, the place of grace, and the place of works. Where our faith life is concerned. Amen. Glory to God. So the only way we are going to become partakers of this promise of this covenant is when we learn to exercise our faith glory to God so what about does the Bible say about faith and love faith and love Galatians 5 6 for if we are in Christ Jesus I'm reading the amplified version neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith activated and energized and expressed, and working through love. It says that faith is activated, faith is energized, and faith is expressed, and faith works through love. Amen. You know, one thing that we ought to understand, you know, that when the Bible, the scripture, this sort of scripture talks about love, you know, there are two sides of love, at least, you know. There's the love of God unto us. And then there is the love that we demonstrate to the people around us. Amen. And how many of us know that we can't effectively demonstrate love to the people around us if we have not effectively received the love of God to us as a person? If there is an individual that dislikes himself, you know, feels nobody loves him, thinks low about, you know, himself, and, you know, basically looks down upon himself... That person can never ever love another person effectively. If someone is broken as a result of the things that he has gone through, if someone has been damaged, you know, that person will naturally almost always damage other people. But when someone has received the love of God, when someone knows that, you know, there is someone, you know, that loves me, that has given him all for me, that has given himself for me, when someone knows and understands that the God of all creation, the maker of heaven and earth, he has chosen to love me. And when we learn to receive and embrace that love, then we can be a conduit of that same love to other people. The Bible says in 1 John four sixteen, And we have known and believed the love that God had to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love, dwelleth in God and God in him amen so when we learn to believe and to receive you know that love of God we can communicate that love to other people and paul was saying in galatians that our faith life cannot be effective without an understanding and demonstration of love and you, when we understand that the person who has made those promises to us the person who has entered into a covenant with us someone that ultimately loves us it helps you to receive that promise you know to believe that promise and to actually expect that promise to come into manifestation in your life you know there's some things that you know if there are some people that promise you, oh, if there's an uncle that promises you, okay, I'm going to give you um, 50,000 naira, just come to my house by, by, by the weekend. Based on the track record of that uncle, some of you might believe him and some of you might not believe him. Particularly if you're someone that is fond of making promises and never keeping the promises. You'll just take it with a pinch of salt. But this is someone that the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his choicest gifts to us. He made, he paid the highest sacrifice that anyone could ever pay for you as an individual. And that person is saying that I have entered into a covenant with you. I have given you grand and precious promises. I want you to walk in abundance all the days of your life. I want you to to, to experience my faithfulness. I want you to always not just have your needs met. But I want you to walk in abundance. The Bible says that the Lord is my shepherd shall not want. He set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Amen. So this is the God who has covenanted with us to ensure that we walk in abundance. So you can be assured of the fact that because the person who has said this has demonstrated over and over and over that he loves you. He has given his best for you. The Bible says that he who spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall He not freely with him give us all things? All things. all things. Amen, freely given it to us. Amen. And so we must be assured of the fact that God loves me. God loves me. People around me might despise me, but it doesn't matter. God, my maker, loves me and is, and, and, is, and is committed to ensuring that my life turns out right. He's committed to ensuring that everything works out well with me. And so I choose to meditate and to believe that love. Amen. And so when I know that I'm loved of God, I can love people around me. I know I wasn't deserving of God's love. The Bible says that even while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love for us. And so I wasn't deserving of his love. And therefore I don't have to wait for someone around me to deserve my love before I make a choice to love that person. So if your faith is going to be activated, if your faith is going to be energized, if your faith is going to be effectively working all the days of your life, you must ensure that you are a conduit of God's love. God's love is flowing in your heart. You have an assurance of God's love in your heart and you're making that love known to the people all around you. Amen. That's the way we're going to actually see the faith of God demonstrated and bringing the results that we want in life. Amen. Now, what does the Bible say about faith and grace? Faith and grace. Now, the grace of God is God giving you things that you did not work for, things that you did not deserve. Everything that we received in the new covenant was received on the platter of God's grace. On the platter of God's grace, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we did not know Him, when we were completely distant from Him, the Bible says that God made a plan already for our future. Two thousand years ago, the plan for our life was settled, and the sacrifice that Jesus Christ paid on the cross of Calvary. Amen. The finished work of God in Christ Jesus is a complete expression of what grace is. A complete expression of what grace is. Because everything that Jesus Christ did, all the suffering that he did on the cross, you know, going to the grave and all that, it wasn't for him, but it was for you and I. And basically because he wanted to bring us into a better life. The Bible says that we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. He has made us members of his family. We have been made joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Glory to God. And so the the way that you get to everything has been settled by reason of the sacrifice of Jesus. Everything has been given to us on the platter of God's grace. But the way we get that grace into manifestation in our lives is by the exercise of our faith. It's by the exercise of our faith. You might be, t- some, I mean, someone might be tempted to think, oh, if God has given me freely, God has done it anyway, and therefore he will ensure that, you know, my life just goes in line with what he had originally intended. But things don't work that way. That's what the Bible tells us. Let's look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. It says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. By faith we have access into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So what grace has made available to us, we can only appropriate through faith. Through faith, the manifestation of God's grace in your life depends on your exercise of faith. Let's look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 16. Romans 4, 16, and I'm reading the Amplified Version. Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace, unmerited favor, to make it stable and valid and guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the devotees and adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is thus the father of us all. Inheriting a promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith. It depends entirely on faith. So there are certain things that we must settle in our hearts. That God has given us these promises on the platter of grace. There are things that God has done for us already. There are things about our lives that God has settled for us already. There are things that God has taken care of. Even before we got on the scene. Amen. And so in dealing with God, you know, we must learn to approach him from the position of grace. And so even in our prayers, our prayers must be grace-driven. And so you're not necessarily asking God to do what he has already done before, but you are positioning yourself to receive the things that he has already accomplished. You understand that through grace, God has made all these things available for me. I'm not today begging God, you know, for God to heal me or for God to supply my needs or for God to, you know, open doors for me. The Bible makes me understand that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so when we approach God, we are approaching him, his throne of grace. That's what the Bible says. That we should come boldly unto the throne of grace. And so you're approaching him not not to beg him to do things, but you're approaching him with the understanding that God already has these things laid out for me and I'm only stepping in to believe and to receive the things you know Jesus Christ told about the story gave a story about a man who had a a visitor in the middle of the night and he had nothing to offer his guest and he went to his neighbor and he was banging on the neighbor's door and he was asking and asking and asking you know and the neighbor said let this man weary me you know let me just open the door and give him what he has asked for. And let me have my peace. I'm in bed with my, with my children. Amen. And you know, many people think that Jesus Christ was talking about, you know, bombarding the gates of heaven as it were. Or bombarding God's bedroom as it were. Knocking. God, 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 I'm in trouble. Answer me. No. God, Jesus Christ was saying that even if, you know, a man, you know, will do that, that God will not do that. But we understand that there are things that God has made available to us already. There are things that God has is to walk boldly and position ourselves to receive those things and walk you know in the manifestation of those things all the days of our lives amen and so if we understand that you know many times your prayers are going to be prayers of pray, are going to be praise are going to be thanksgiving because you know that you know God has done this thing already I thank you father because I know that you have done this because this is what your word says and therefore I re- believe I receive the manifestation in my life and I thank you because it's done and then you pray alone in tongues praying in tongues because the bible says that when we pray in tongues we are praying by the help of the spirit and you are always praying the perfect will of god so if you understand that you know many every I mean most of our time we will spend praising god and thanking god and living in an atmosphere of worship amen and then believing and, 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 and then joining first with the spirit to help us to pray out the things that your minds might not know. Because there are many things that we don't know. But thank God, God has given us the help of his Holy Spirit. And therefore, you can begin to pray in other tongues. Amen. So it will change, you know, the nature of our prayers. It will change the nature of our prayers if you understand that. I'm approaching God from a position and understanding and revelation of grace. God has done this for me already. He's made available resources for me. Amen. Now, what does the Bible say about faith and works? Faith and works. Let's look at James chapter 2. And I'll be reading a few verses from there. James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Amen. So, in our work of faith, there is the place of works. There is the place of works. There is a work of faith. There is a labor of faith. There is the fight of faith that the Bible tells us. There is a work of faith. There is a labor of faith. And there is a fight of faith that we see in the Bible. Now, you know, know, it's possible to take grace to an extreme position and think that because, you know, God has given us everything by grace, you know, so why do I need to work for it? I will just sit down and fold my hands and I will expect God, you know, to just do his stuff, his way. Amen. You know, God is not in control of this world. The Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. Adam sold out to the devil. And so, the, the, I mean, the, the Bible makes us understand that, you know, the devil is the God of this world. And so, everything that, ha- that happens on earth is not necessarily the will of God. There are many things that people experience that, are, that, you know, are not in the will of God. And so, you must learn to be deliberate and to take a stand and to enforce the manifestation of the grace of God. And to enforce the manifestation of the abundance of God. If the enemy had his way, everybody would walk in lack. That's what the Bible says his mission statement is. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. To steal everything that God has made available to you. To kill you, and on top of killing you, he will destroy you. After he has killed you, he will destroy you. If he had his way, that's what he would do. Amen. And so that's why we must learn to take a stand of faith. We must learn to labor in faith. Amen. Amen. Now, faith without works is dead. That's what, you know, the Apostle James, you know, um, the Bible tells us in the book of James. That faith without works is dead. If you don't add some works to your faith, you're not going to see the results that you expect to see. Now, what is the work of faith that the Bible tells us about? What is the work of faith that the Bible tells us about? It's not necessarily trying to get God to do things. Because we understand that God has already done but it's actually standing in a place to believe and to receive. And believing and receiving is a lot of work. I will show you what the Bible says about, about um, Abraham. Let's look at um, Romans 4, verse 19. Romans 4, but verse 19. And not being weak in faith he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now this was the end story, the end game of Abraham. The end story was that he got to a point where, you know, he was so assured of the promise of God. He did not waver at the the promise of God. And despite what he was seeing in his body, he was assured of the fact that everything that God had promised him was going to come into manifestation. But let's look at where he started from in Genesis 15. Genesis 15, I'll read from verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Now, this was after God had revealed himself to him that I am your El Shaddai. You know, I'd given him the promise and Abraham was still asking, you know, God, This, my servant, is the one that is going to be my heir. How far now? You have not given me a child. Verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord. And he accounted it to him for righteousness. So it actually took a process for Abraham to become fully convinced of the promise of God. He didn't get that the first day, the first time, you know, the second time that he heard God speak with him. But God did something. God, God, you know, told him, step outside and look up. God taught him the power of imagination and the power of seeing beyond what you have around you seeing what's beyond what you have around you and God told him look at the stars in the sky and so Abraham was able to develop an image okay this is what God meant when he said that I'm going to be the father of many nations and the Bible says make us understand that you know he kept those words he kept those images he kept those visions. and after a while you know he became fully persuaded in his heart he got to the point where he believed God And nothing else could move him from that position of believing God. And even after the son came, when after Isaac came, the Bible says that, you know, God told him to go and kill Isaac. He had the promise of God that he was going to be the father of many nations. And because he knew that, come what may, God's word, I believe God's word. Nothing can move me from the promise of God. Nothing can shake me where this promise of God to me is concerned. And therefore, I'm ready to kill my son. Because I know that whether this son is alive or is dead, I am a father of many nations. I am a father of many nations. So it took a process of believing, it took a process of becoming fully assured. It took a, promise, uh, a, a process from the time he heard the promise up until the point when he knew that he knew that he knew that nothing could shake him from the word and the promise of God. Amen. Glory to God. So there's nothing that we can do, you know, when we walk in faith, we're not trying to get God to do something as it were. If there's something that God has not done already, trying to walk in faith and exercise your faith is not going to bring that thing into manifestation. It's not going to create that thing. We work in faith and we exercise our faith because there are certain things that God has done already. And the work of faith requires that we position ourselves to believe the things that God has said and to receive them in manifestation in our lives. If someone gets up today and says, oh, okay, I want to marry my neighbor's wife. And I'm going to release my faith that, you know, my, my neighbor either just goes, disappears or dies or something. And I get to marry his wife. No, God has not done that. God has not promised you that. So it's, a, it's an exercise in futility. Amen. Glory to God. So believing is the work of faith. Believing is the work of faith. Amen. Getting to the place where we are meditating on the word of God and the promise of God and confessing, you know, those things into into our lives. And we eventually get to a position of rest. And that's why the Bible says that we should labor to get to the place of rest. The place of rest is that place where you know that you know that you know that God's word is more real than my circumstances and my situations. The Bible says that the word of God has the ability to prevail. An inherent ability to prevail. So when we give time, when we give focus, when we give attention to God's word, that word becomes magnified over and above what we might be seeing all around you. And that's the labor of faith. There are many voices all around us. Things around us are talking to us. Circumstances and situations are speaking to us. People around us are speaking, you know, declaring you know, negative words over us based on what they can see. Amen. But you've got to get to a point where you cut out all those voices. You sit on the word of God and allow that image in God's word to exceed and to grow bigger than whatever other image the things around you are showing you. And that's what the Bible makes us understand is the labor of faith. It's the work of faith. Glory to God. And so we must ensure that we get into that place where the word of God is bigger than any other thing you're hearing. It's bigger than any other thing that you're seeing around you. And then you get into a position of rest. When you get into a position of rest, you know that God has done it. You know that, I mean, I mean, you, God's word, you know, it's more real to you than what you're seeing all around you. Because you have entered into that position of rest. Praise the Lord. So, meditating on God's word increases your confidence in what God has done. It increases your confidence in what God has done. And it gets you to to the position of rest and assurance. Rest and assurance. And so, the fact that Abraham is someone that we call today the father of faith. But this same person that we call the father of faith, once upon a time, doubted the promise of God. Doubted the promise of God. Amen. And you know that whenever you face pressure, whenever things come against you and things attack you, that's when you actually know what you're believing. And you know, it's good to be real. Tell ourselves the truth. If the word of God is not what you're believing, then get into the word of God and get to the point where God's word is what makes the difference in my life. God's promise is what is more real to me than whatever I may see around me. The, the last time I went to Abuja, I, I can't remember which airline I flew, but I was a lady on the other aisle, and you know, she was carrying, I mean, there was a Bible with her, and there was one book. I mean, it was obvious that she was a she was a church person. <laughs> Based on you know what she was reading and stuff like that. And you know, in the middle of you know the journey, the plane started to dance, started to dance at first. <laughs> started to dance and then started to go down and jack up and go down and jack up. People started to scream. I saw this woman, her hand was on her head. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, the Bible you're holding in your hand cannot produce for you. <laughs> I mean, you had all sorts. People praying in fear and, you know, doing all manner of things. I mean, thank God I had peace in my heart. I was just looking around and I was laughing at the people. Amen. But it was just one of those things. But, I mean, if, if I found myself in a situation where I'm experiencing that and the first thing that came against my heart was fear, I would go back home and meditate on the scriptures of fear because it means that God's warning and God's promise around protection, about God's angels bearing me up in their hands lest I dash my foot against a stone, has not yet taken roots. Has not yet taken root. Because you can't help what comes out of you when pressure is placed against you. So, whatever comes out of you, you know, is what you have, you have taken time to store inside you. Amen. And, you know, some, some of these things are very, very subtle. You find yourselves, you know, you know engaging and gisting with your colleagues and are talking about the fact that, oh, a plane crashed, you know, somewhere and people are talking about the fact that, oh, it can happen to anybody, oh, and stuff like that. You don't allow those situations to pass without speaking God's word because unknowingly there's a seed that has been deposited in your heart that that thing can happen to anybody. But when you hear such things and you immediately counteract it with God's word and say no, it doesn't matter whether you know the bishop of Lagos States or the Bishop of the Universe was involved in a plane crash. I don't live my life based on the bishop of whoever. I live my life based on God's word. Based on God's word. And so if that word is not rooted in you, what is inside of you will come out. So pay attention to what comes out of you. So that you know what you need to take time to store and to deposit within you. Amen. And so that's where the work of faith is. Until you get to the point where you enter into rest. You are assured. You are convinced. Nothing can move you. Come what may. This word is bigger than my circumstances than my situations. And that's what the Bible says when it says, labor until you enter into the point of rest. Praise the Lord. So faith without action is futile. Faith without action is futile. And when you get to the point where you believe the word of God, I mean, there's some works, there's some actions that will naturally flow. You know, um, many of us remember the story of um, Kenneth Hagin, of blessed memory. You know, when he was, he tells the story of when he was on his sick bed and he began to search, you know, read the scriptures And he discovered the scripture that says that himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. He discovered that God had already made a provision of healing available for him. And he began, you know, to meditate upon that word, to think about, you know, that word. And, you know, he got to the point where he received his healing. Inside his heart, he received his healing, you know. And he was still lying on the sick bed. And one day, it dawned upon him that heals people. Don't lie on sick beds. It dawned upon him. He had been reading that word, reading that word, believing that, you know, the, the, the promise of God concerning healing. And it dawned on him that, okay, if I'm healed, I'm not supposed to be on this bed. And he, and he, he, he told this story that then he began to get up. You know, he, was, he had lost so much weight at that time and he was like a vegetable. He sat on his bed and he began to wiggle around and to wobble around all that you know became history eventually but he realized that oh if i truly am healed i don't have to be on this bed he believed and then there was an action that he put to his faith if you are trying to act without believing it is an action in futility your actions must be must stem from the fact that you have you are believing the word of God. You are you are believing the promise of God. You are laying hold on the promise of God. Amen. So you don't act for the sake of acting because you might find yourself, you know, <laughs> make a shipwreck of your faith, like the Bible says. Amen. But when you get to the point where I believe, you know, God will begin to open your eyes and God will begin to give you instructions that pertain to your situation, that pertain to your circumstance. That's what the Bible makes us understand by labor to enter into rest. And then there are works that will flow out from that place of rest. Hallelujah. So there is the place of grace, understanding that God has given these things to us. But we must learn to understand, we must also understand that the way we are going to see the manifestation of the grace of God in our lives is by exercising our faith. Exercising our faith. And the Bible says, I mean, that's the primary work of faith is believing, believing over and above your circumstances and the situations, believing God until the point where you know that even though nothing has moved all around me, God's word is true, and this word is gonna promise is going to become a manifestation in my life. Hallelujah. So meditate and confess until you enter into the rest of confidence in what God has done, and what God has promised in your life. Amen. So when that word prevails in your life, then and only then will you get to the position of rest in your life. So God has called us to a place of abundance. God has called us to walk in love, to receive his love, and then to manifest that love. Because when we live a life of love, then our faith is energized, and our faith can be activated appropriately grace has given us all things you know we ever desire god has given us his promises on a plan of grace but faith is what brings those things into manifestation in our lives and the work of faith is believing and trusting god's word and laying hold on the promise hallelujah let's rise on our feet this morning oh father we give you praise the preceding message was brought to you by king's word everywhere nigeria we are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etal Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station. First bank bus stop off Kudarat Abiola Way Argun, Lagos. Email KMIAfrica at Kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-0000640.